I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Okay, welcome back, folks. We are looking at the top basketball players in the NBA today. We're at number 10 today. These players are all superstars, folks. And to a certain degree, they are players who would probably be near or on the list of the top 50, 60 players of all time. In fact, many of the names that we're going to mention in this episode and in our last episode on the top 25 basketball players who are currently playing are on our list for the best basketball players of all time. I'm going to start, Gary, with the guy who you don't have on this list, and I can understand that, but I have to uh, recognize this 35-year-old because, uh, you know, the guy's been plugging in here for a long time, maybe the, the second oldest or the oldest person in my top 10. The credentials are impeccable, but I also think he had a he had a good year this year. And, and I also, when you look at his stats, you'll see that he actually has stepped up his game during the playoffs. And I'm talking about the six foot one point guard, Chris Paul. Chris Paul, 10-time All-Star, MVP of the All-Star game in 2013. Four times, Gary, he was on the first team All-NBA team. Four times he was on the second team All-NBA team. And at one time he was on the third team. So that, that would mean that nine times he was on the All-NBA team. Outstanding. Now he's on the decline because, yeah, he's 35 years old. But seven times he was all defensive team, first team, seven times as a 6-1 guard. Two times he was second team all defensive team. And uh, rookie of the year, four times he led the NBA in assists. Six times, I think only Michael Jordan can come close to that number, he led the NBA in steals. So to me, if we had looked at maybe doing this three or four years ago, he would probably be much higher than number 10. But as would be in his latter years here, I'm happy to put the 35-year-old Chris Paul in the number 10 spot. His scoring average for his career, 18.5, shooting 47% from the field, 37% from, th- from the three-point line, 87% from the foul line. An amazing 9.5 assists is his career average, which is uh, outstanding. But in the playoffs, even this year in the playoffs for Oklahoma City, he averaged 21.3 points a game, shooting almost 50% from the field, 37% from the three-point line, and 89% from the free-throw line. And in the playoffs this year, Gary, he got 7.4 rebounds a game as a 6-1 point guard. So I'm happy to put Chris Paul in number 10 spot. Any comments that you may have, Gary, about Chris Paul, or you're, you can give us your number 10. So you're a bigger fan of Chris Paul, a.k.a. CP injuries, <laughs> than I am. You know, I do not have him in my top 10. I think we're both doing our list a little bit differently. I'm doing my list now as we're in the top 10. I'm doing it based off talent, as in if I had a pick, who would I want on my team? And these were the picks that I would have. Chris Paul had a great year. He had a great year this season. Because most people thought when he was in Oklahoma City, people thought he was just going to you know, quit and just hope to get traded during the season. And he didn't do that. He should have gotten some MVP votes because he single-handedly carried the Oklahoma City 
team into the playoffs with just his simple veteran leadership. So you know, I understand why you have him there. I don't have him in there. But I'm going to go on to my number 10, which I believe you did not have in your top okay. 10 either. And that's Joel Embiid. So I have Joel Embiid at number 10 just because, to me, he is the most – he could be. He actually got his butt on the post, <laughs> which I hope Doc Rivers does this year. He could be the most dominant force in basketball because you can't stop him. He's the classic, old-fashioned center who can score any way in the paint. He just has to stop shooting threes. He's a great defensive player. I honestly think Joel Embiid could be um, a top five player in the NBA at one point, and he could win an MVP award. You know, I think we mentioned that before, that all the guys we're mentioning could win an MVP award. Joel Embiid could win an MVP award. Um, I can go down all his all-star numbers and all that stuff, but we all know that Joel Embiid is a star. And if you don't believe me, I look at the all-star game this year. Giannis's team just threw the ball at Joel Embiid every time. He either scored the ball or he got fouled. And that's against all-stars. Those are against the best players in the world right now he was doing that against. If he just does that every night, we were watching the uh, the playoffs um, in the bubble this year, and they were going to get the Boston Celtics. And I get that Ben Simmons wasn't playing, but Daniel Tice was guarding Joel Embiid. And Daniel Tice is a 6'9 center who tries hard. But Joel Embiid should have scored 50 points and gotten 15 rebounds and four blocks against him because he's not a great basketball player compared to Joel Embiid. And, and Enos Cantor, you know, always leaves the door open because he plays absolutely no defense. He should have scored 40 points on him as well. And the fact that he didn't do that, and the fact this team wasn't able to win a game, it definitely bothers me. And this is why he's so low on the top 10 list. But uh, Joel Embiid is my number Yeah, three. you know, I have a lot of love for Joel Embiid. He is special. He is a special player. Only 26, he's going to move up on the list. As far as I'm concerned, I have him at 13, but he is a special player, averaging 24 points a game, shooting about 50%, 48% from the field, 32% from three, almost 80% from the free throw line, getting about 11 and a half rebounds a game. And in the playoffs, though it was brief for, for the 76ers, he averaged 30 points a game. You know, so the guy <laughs> and 12 rebounds a game. He is going to be special. I have him 13, but once again, uh, I, I would not have any argument about having him at number 10 because he is definitely an individual who, if we woke up two or three years from now and, and, and looked at who was an MVP in the year 2022, 2023, and we saw his name there, we would not be surprised. And B became one of only seven players, Gary, who would have 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 200 blocks in his first 100 games, putting him in the same category as Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal, Alonzo Mourning, David Robinson, Hakeem Olajuwon, and Ralph Sampson. So that's pretty good company. And when you look at the greatest players of all time from the 76ers, you put, you know, Julius Irving and Allen Iverson, you, you can't help but think that when his career is over, you're going to be mentioning his name. If they're smart enough to keep him in Philadelphia, <laughs> you know, if they let him go, that would be, uh, oh, boy, that would be a, a real tragedy. So I, I hear what you're saying about me being, being a, uh, in your top 10, Gary, and I, I applaud that selection. I think he's a great player. I mean, that's a big, big statement you just said because the Sixers, you know, not just Iverson and, and, and Will and Chamberlain, too. I should have mentioned Irving, Will but, Right, but not just what You know, I wouldn't even think about Will Chamberlain. I was thinking of Moses Malone. Moses Malone, too. Yeah, I misspoke, you know, Gary. And, and Charles, Charles Barkley. Barkley. And, you're you know, absolutely so right. I, I should not have done that, There's probably five of, or six guys yeah, who, <laughs> who should be men mentioned in the same breath. 
and I misspoke there. So I, you are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We always pick on, you know, well, you know what? I don't even say pick on. We critique players. You know, you critique, like, you know, you picked on Ben Simmons, a lack of a jump shot. And, you know, we both picked on Paul George earlier. So I'm going to pick on Joel Embiid real quick. If, if he's ever going to be an MVP, not just he has to stay healthy and play multiple games, but he has to get his butt in shape. He looks out of shape a lot of the time. And when you watch him play, and that's probably why he doesn't want to post up because it's so tough on his body, but he needs to get in better shape. If he can get into peak condition, you know, we had this conversation with Zion. If Zion's able, you know, to get in shape, sit there with Joel Embiid, he could be an Let's MVP put it this candidate. way, Gary. If Embiid or Zion Williamson played for the Heat, oh, my God, would they be <laughs> – would we see their potential come to full balloon? Because they would be in shape in a Heat team. Because with Riley, with Riley teams, you can ask LeBron, ask, ask a few people about that, but Chris Boss as well as uh, D Wade, you will be in shape and you will play the game like you're supposed to play the game. And a person like Embiid would need that type of discipline, I think, as well, Gary. So, you know, they're going to have new management this, this year. So uh, let's see what, what happens. But as far as raw talent, the, the guy has it. That's and hopefully uh, people will push him to the point where it will come out. Well, real quick, I want to add one more thing. You know, you, your boy's now the president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers. So he may not be there long. You know, your boy, oh, that's Moore, the guy from the oh Houston boy. Rockets. Oh, boy. Yeah, I've, I already talked about that. The greatest that small ball. Just today, I'm going to digress for a second. Give me a couple seconds. Because okay. I... Today, I turned down the TV just to look at a little baseball. I know the World Series just ended. But I turned down the TV, and they showed the Los Angeles Dodgers when they last won the World Series, which was in 1988. And they had a pitcher by the name of uh, Hershauer. And what they were featuring was the guy went 59 innings without allowing a run, which was like seven baseball games. That says two things. One, one it says that the manager was smart enough not to take him out of the game. And it also says that back in the day, if you were pitching well, you weren't expected to come out of the game. And today, we're looking at a situation where the Tampa Bay Rays had their ace on the mile, pitching a two-hitter, and they yank him. Oh, my God. So when I think of people who have this new creative way of, of looking at a sport that's been going on for like, a hundred years and think they have the new magic sauce to make the game better, i.e. the Houston general manager who's down with Philadelphia. Guess what? All those other people were not wrong. And you're right. Okay. It's not that way. You look at all the banners that the Celtics have. You look at all the banners that the Lakers have. You look at when the Lakes were riding high. They didn't play basketball like you had the Houston Rockets play basketball. That whole strategy should be just totally, totally abandoned and destroyed. Not to mention you don't win championships like that, but the bottom line of it is it's boring. That's what that's the main thing. It's boring. And so we don't want to see people launch 63 pointers and watch the ball bounce out to half court when they miss. That's not basketball. Okay. It's not basketball. So please do not do that to the 76ers. Guess what? You have an all-star center. Use him. And go check the record. When you have a great center, guess what happens? You usually win championships. Okay, that's what the record would show. Yes, we've had this LeBron era. I'm not saying that's not a great era. It's, not a, it's something to look at. And we had Michael. But Michael needed a center. 
<laughs> to also win. And you need a center who can play the game in order to win basketball games. You can't have a Houston Rocket team that did not wait. have a real bona fide wait. center and expect to get to the championship. I want to go into my number nine player because it talks about it, but Michael never had a center. Well, he, he Longwood does not count as a center. And Bill Wilson no, had a person Cartwright. who played center. Now, the, the Houston Rockets, they don't even have a person who looks like a center. You know, <laughs> you have a 6'5 guy playing center. I mean, it, colleges don't have 6'5 guys playing center. So you, you need to have a, a person who actually can hold down the position of center. I'm not saying the guy has to score 15 points a game and grab 10 rebounds a game, but he needs to be have a presence. You don't need to have someone overly that overly dominant in center position, but you do need a center. You just can't play with a bunch of guards, a bunch of forwards. It doesn't work. So if you think that you have the right solution hey, to, to, to basketball and that you you that the game is so is so different now, you're absolutely wrong. You're absolutely wrong. And just like getting back to baseball, if you would think that you can win a championship, a World Series on the strength of your bullpen only and playing like five pitchers a game, it's never happened before, folks. And it ain't gonna happen now. So why do you think you woke up one morning and said, We're brighter than everybody who's ever played the game of baseball or ever played the game of basketball? And you don't have anything to show for it. That must say that you're wrong. And so that must say to everybody else, don't copy that system. Not to mention that it's boring, but it's also not smart. Going back to the Dodgers in baseball, you look at that highlight of what happened in 1988. And you saw baseball played the way I used to see it played when I was growing up, Gary. If a pitcher was pitching well, he completed the game. <laughs> Which is not something that was all that revolutionary in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. If you tried to take out, and may God rest his soul, Bob Gibson in the sixth or seventh inning, you may have had a fight on the mound because he was not giving up the ball. He just simply was not giving up the ball. And I would say the same for Don Drysdale. I would say the same for Van Sandy Koufax. I would say the same for, for Juan Marichal. They were not giving you the ball because they were going to work their way out of that little so-called jam. And guess what? All of those game names I just mentioned, they were like first ballot Hall of Famers. So I guess they got it right. And the managers got it right. And the general managers got it right. So having these specialty players, the oh, guys, this is my sixth inning uh, closer. This is my seventh inning guy. This is my, this, no. Guys doing well, keep them in the game. It's very simple. Don't change something that's working. If it's not working, change it. If it is working, don't change it. Pretty basic. That's in everything, folks. That's in everything, politics included. So this is another, another. conversation for <laughs> another podcast because I have a lot of opinions. I digress. On it, so I don't want to go I, I into digress. it Let's right get now. to number nine then, Gary. Yes, yes, I will. And I'm going to defend Daryl Morey because my number nine is the reason why he had to do it, which is Russell Westbrook. Because Russell Westbrook can't shoot. And because he can't shoot, they need him to get to the basket. And that's why they got rid of Clint Capella. Regardless. Russell Westbrook is my number nine player right now in the NBA. Obviously, if you do uh, from 2013, he'll be a lot higher on the list. He's won an MVP. He's the new era, Mr. Triple-Double. He is exciting. He's the most exciting player to watch in the NBA, in my opinion. But Russell Westbrook's style is very hard to win with, and that's why he's uh, so low on my list. Because Russ loves to shoot shots he shouldn't take. On our all-time top 50 list, I believe Russ was mm -hmm. on both of our top 50 lists, and mm -hmm. he should be, and he deserves to be. He's the most athletic point guard ever. He led the league in scoring twice, averaged 31.6 points a game the year he averaged um, his first triple-double year. 
and he led the league in assists twice. So Russell Westbrook is a phenomenal player in Houston this year. I thought he played pretty well with James Harden, which is something that we didn't expect to happen because James Harden is, is the ultimate <laughs> ball hawk. But, you know, in a good way, though, in a good way. There's a good way to be a ball hawk if you put up some numbers. It's not it's not going to be a ball hawk and be three for 15 like Russell Westbrook does some games. But regardless, Russell Westbrook is my number nine, and I'm giving Daryl Morey the benefit of the doubt in this case because Russell Westbrook is one of the best rebounding guards in the Actually, maybe the best rebounding guard ever. You can make that argument. And he continued to fall into the trap of, I got to shoot threes because he's wide open and he shouldn't do that. But regardless of that of that one flaw, Russ is a phenomenal player. Okay. Getting back to beating up on the general manager on my side. I think that general manager, what's his name again, Gary Moore? Okay. Daryl Moore. I think you've set a record. I don't think any team, any basketball team has had not one, two MVPs on the same team and not go that far in the playoffs. That's hard to do. I'm thinking about those old Lakers, but Jerry West never won the MVP award. Well, Chamberlain had, and I'm not sure about Elgin Baylor. I don't think he did either. So when you go back and you look through history, I can only think of teams like, you know, Bob Cousy won MVP, Bill Russell did. But guess what? They also won championships. So I can't think of any team that has had two former MVPs and the team was a disaster. That's because yeah, you're gonna. I gotta defend him again. Just briefly oh, though, because boy. we want to get to my oh. number nine. But, but, okay, okay I'll, go I'll, ahead. I'll go off to my number. Right, nine. Right. I, I just want to put that in there for the record. Look, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. The reason why he did not win a championship with those two guys is very simple, and I think we're gonna see it on both of our lists. James Harden and Russell Westbrook are not top five players in the NBA. They just had great seasons that year. Most MVP award winners are top five players in the NBA. So okay. I do give them okay. a pass for that. You're right about that. They will not be in the top five. <laughs> I agree. Of uh, the top five NBA players who are currently playing. I do have uh, Russell a little bit higher than you do. Let's go to my number nine, Gary, and that is Damian Lillard. Once again, I, I always talk about this guy because uh, he just puts up great numbers and he's a great player, but you, you know, obviously he plays in Portland, so you know, that's a blackout for me because by the time their games go, come on TV, it's like three o'clock in the morning. You know, it's really late. And so uh, I don't I have not seen him play as much as I would would like. But I tell you, the guy is special. And so I have him in my number nine position. When you look at his stats, they're impressive. They're, they're impressive. He um, has been a um, NBA All-Star five times. First team All-NBA in the year 2018. Three times he was second-team All-NBA, and one time he was third-team All-NBA. So five times he's been on the All-NBA team, which is uh, very impressive. Rookie of the Year in 2013 as well. Young guy, you know, 30 years old. So he's been really doing extremely well ever since he was 25 years old in the NBA. He has had some really historic games over the the years, you know, scoring – you know, 50 points and more you know, pretty regularly. And last year, he averaged uh, even 30 points a game with Portland, shooting about 46% from the field and 40% from the free throw line, which is amazing. 89% from the free throw line and getting about eight assists this past year on a team that went to the playoffs again. 4.3 assists this year, and that matches, I'm sorry, rebounds, and that matches his average as far as his career is concerned, his average assist would be about 6.5, however. So he had a 
very good year this year as far as dishing the ball off. His career scoring average is 24.2 points a game, shooting 43% from the field, 37% overall from the three-point line. That 40% was his mark for this past year. And his free throw shooting has been pretty consistent, even though he's had some years in which his percentage has been over 90%, but his career is about 89%. Great player, going to get better, and will put up even better numbers in the future. Very difficult to guard because they don't want to guard him. They want him to get rid of the ball. They want him to, they want to put people on him so he has to get rid of the ball because otherwise he can score as soon as he would pass half court. And he's demonstrated that over the years. Following three terms on the city council and three terms in Congress, former Congressman Gary Franks' consulting firm has helped scores of companies, large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University, will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. I actually agree with you with everything you just said. Could Dame Lillard actually okay. my number eight player. Oh. So I'll just continue to jump on that bandwagon with you. Dame Lillard is a phenomenal player. And actually, he should have more all-star appearances, but we know because he played in Portland, he didn't really get a lot of the credit earlier, and he wasn't able to make the all-star game over – a lot of other great guards in the you know in the Western Conference, but Dame Lillard is special. You know, like you said, he can shoot from anywhere. I call him the poor <laughs> man Steph Curry, which is not a negative. It's not a negative. I know people are gonna look at that as a negative, but what I mean is, is that Dame Lillard can shoot from anywhere Steph Curry can. It's just not as consistent as mm-hmm. Steph Curry can. That's all I'm saying. Dame Lillard is bigger than Steph as well, so he can get to the basket better than Steph. So you know, obviously, it's not a fair comparison from you know the whole game perspective. But, no, I would like to see Dame Lillard go to another team and play there. Not LeBron's <laughs> team and not Kevin Durant's team. And not Giannis's team. A team where he could be seen more mm. like the Miami Heat, for example, or the Phoenix Suns. Because I think the Suns would be shown more if mm. him and Devin Brooker were on the same team. So, I think that would be great for Dame. But also staying in Portland is great because, you know, Portland needs a player like Dame Lillard. He actually plays for two markets, for, you know, for Portland and Seattle because Seattle doesn't have a team anymore. Mm. So I agree with everything that you're saying. You know, I think Dame Lillard is a great player. And, and Gary, something to be noted. From January 20th through February 1st, he had a six-game stretch in which he averaged 48.8 points per game. 48.8 mm-hmm. points a game over six games from that period of time. The Kobe Bryant's death. And so, which is just astounding. 48.8 points a game. When I see that kind of scoring, I think of Pistol Pete Maravich in college, and I think of Calvin Murphy in high school. I mean, that, that, is, that is something. So uh, we're pretty much in agreement. I have a number nine. You got a number eight. My number eight, um, obviously you have higher than I would. And I would have as well. I was thinking of moving him a little bit higher, but I was so disappointed in, in his playoff performance this year. Yet, when you look at this person's achievements, I can see how you are going to have him higher. And that is Kawhi Leonard. I mean, the guy's a two-time 
NBA champion. I have my huh? number eight. Yep, I have my Why number eight. Why You have him oh. much higher, I'm sure. Okay. But I, I had a problem with the way that he performed in the playoffs this year. It was just uh, very, very disappointing to me. That, that's why I, I kind of pushed up Butler a little bit higher than what I had him initially. And I brought Kawhi Leonard down a little bit. That pained me to do that, but it was very disheartening the way that that team performed. Obviously, they made some changes. They got a new coach now. But you can't take away his achievement. Two-time NBA Finals MVP, two-time NBA champion, as I mentioned earlier. Four times he has been on the All-Star team, All-Star MVP in 2020, this past year. Uh, Two times he was All-NBA first team, two times second team. So that's four times he has been either first or second team. But even more amazing than, than that statistic for the 29-year-old would be the fact that he was all defensive player of the year two times. Three times he was on the first team all defensive team, and three times he was on the all defensive team second team. Tremendous span that he has. His hands are enormous. Led the NBA in steals in 2015. And a player who is climbing from every aspect of his game, you look at his statistics, they're just going up. Everything is going up. And so that is why it pained me to keep him at number eight. But I know that in a very short period of time, he's going to move even higher. And he could be to become one of the first players, if not the first player. No, he'll be the second now to win championships on three different teams. He has a good shot at doing that, having done so with San Antonio, Toronto, and now he's, he's with the Clippers. Uh, this past year, he averaged about 27 points a game, shooting 47% from the field, 38% from the three-point line, which is excellent for a guy of his size, about 89% from the free-throw line, which is close to his career average of 86% from the free-throw line, 49% shooting from the field, and 38% once again from the three-point line from the, for his career. Gets about 6.4 rebounds, 2.7 assists, and once again, there was a year in which he averaged over well over two two steals a game. So great player. Doesn't quite finish the season. I mean, he, if you look at his record in 64 games, 58 games, 66 games, 64 games, 60 games. And obviously last year was this most recently year was a shortened year. You know, he's never come close to getting uh, the best year was 74, which still missing about eight or nine games. So he doesn't really finish a lot of you know seasons. There's one season in, in particular that he just didn't play that much. And I, I, I am taking off some points for that. He didn't feel like playing or had problems playing. Overall, as far as his minutes played, it's about 30, 30 minutes a game. That's typically what he does. And so I think that from an exertion perspective, since his career scoring average is only 18.7 points a game, you know, I would like to see him play a little bit more. He may have some chronic injuries that we don't know about or, or that he has to kind of nurse. So maybe that's the reason for it. But I feel comfortable with him being at number eight because his overall stats do not match the people that we're going to talk about beyond this, nor would some of the people that have been at a lower number, or a higher number, I should say. But you can't take away the fact that he's a winner and he has won two NBA championships. First of all, you do realize Kawhi Leonard won the championship just now two years ago with the Toronto Raptors, a team that couldn't even get out of the second or third round and couldn't get out of the second round this year without Kawhi Leonard. Clippers lost in the second round because of Paul George. That's why they lost in the second round. 
Kawhi Leonard was great. The only game he, he didn't play great in was game seven. I'm kind of speechless because this is like putting LeBron James at eight or putting Kevin Durant at eight or Giannis at eight. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what to say. We disagree so, on that. Have to, we disagree on that. We strongly <laughs> disagree. We don't just disagree. That's not even, yeah, that's not even close. I don't even know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I take it. To Needless say. to that's, say, uh, you have them in the top. You're looking at the wrong, you're, you're looking at the wrong things because Kawhi Leonard early in his career, his job was not to score. So his average is going to be lowered. Since he's been the guy, the Spurs won 70 games the same year that the Golden State won 73 games. No one ever talked about it, but it happened. And Kawhi was the best player on that team. So everywhere Kawhi goes, they okay. win. Okay, no, your points, so, points uh, well taken. I take it you have, you have yeah. them higher. You have them in the top five. So if you guys haven't heard, as we're recording this, the Brooklyn Nets just hired as, as their assistant coach Mike D'Antoni, or I have to call him Mike Antoni because they don't play any defense with him as the head coach. And they also hired Amari Stoudemire as the assistant coach as well. So Steve Nash is bringing back the Phoenix Suns. I believe Neil Long's husband, who's been the assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs. I can't think of his name. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be bothering me uh, even after this podcast. But he's also the assistant coach for the Brooklyn Nets. And I believe he was there in, in Phoenix as well. So Steve Nash is basically bringing back the 2006 Phoenix Suns to the Brooklyn Nets. The problem is the 2006 Phoenix Suns did not win the championship. So I don't know why he's doing that. But, hey, I think they're going to have great play call. I think Kevin Durant's going to be very upset a lot of the time. But I think Kyrie Irving will be the happiest player to ever play because Mike D'Antoni's offense is very point guard centric. And it looks like it's going to be a lot of ISO plays for Kevin Durant, which I do not like. But. You know what? Hopefully I'm wrong because I'm a huge Kevin Durant fan, and I hope that, uh, you know, that's not the case. Well, you know, you I'm not a D'Antoni fan, Gary. I, I've already um, lambasted the, the Houston Rockets and their whole strategy. I think that it's just so so bad. You know, yeah, they, have, they, they win games, but they would never, and it obviously has been proven, win a championship with that style of uh, play. I just hate to see that happen to the Nets. I hope that they they recognize that you need a well-rounded game and not a game that's just filled with you know, launching three-pointers. And I hope that they realize, like Steve Nash did, that it, it, there's something to be said about having an offense that has players moving and, and cuts and screens and and penetration and dishing off. I hope they rec recognize that that kind of basketball can work much better than that the Houston Rockets style that they had. And I, I don't think that, you know, just running up and down the court will win basketball games either. Uh, you're right. Phoenix did not play much defense. D'Antoni wasn't known for that. In fact, you know, James Harden wasn't known for that. It was, it was a Basically, uh, go to the basket and we'll, we'll get the last shot and we'll win the game type of basketball, which is uh, not, number one, it's not exciting basketball. And number two, it's not winning basketball. So I, I'm disappointed, but we'll see what, what happens. I hate to, to overly prejudge the situation. Like you, you don't want to prejudge it either. I mean, we, we wish Brooklyn the best because, uh, you know, I, I too am a fan of Kevin Durant and I want him to do well. And, and I want Eastern basketball, so to speak, or New York basketball, even though it's not the Knicks, to do well because I think it's good for, for the game to have uh, the New York market in play as far as you're know, looking at games as, as well as playoffs, as well as potential championships. So let's see what happens. I hope that Steve Nash is the, is the head coach. I'm not saying that facetiously. <laughs> I hope he is the head coach. 
And I hope that he does drive the message for, for the team and not just have another continuation of, uh, of D'Antoni coaching, because I think that would be, uh, that'd be unfortunate. So we're out of time for today. Don't forget to subscribe.